Welcome to the Caring for EOE podcast, where we'll navigate eosinophilic esophagitis together. From diagnosis to daily living, feelings to finances, and restrictions to recipes, let's create a community that cares for EOE. Welcome to this episode of the Caring for EOE podcast. Today, I'm lucky to have Karina from Friendly Pantry join me in a conversation about practical ways to make the changes needed to support a food elimination diet or a new protocol in our everyday lives. Karina has channeled her experience as a food allergy mom into an amazing and helpful resource, including her Inspired Kitchen membership program, of which I am a proud member. Karina, I am so excited to be with you today, and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I was so thrilled to find your uh, membership program as well as your free group on Facebook, which we'll talk about a lot. When And I don't even know how I found you because as soon as I received Tyler's diagnosis, I just start, was so hungry for information and resources. And when I came across um, you and your off, what you offer, I just felt like I was um, so grateful for all of the practical and helpful and community building services that you provide. So I'm so excited not only to be a part of that, but to be talking with you. So thanks again for joining me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And just hearing you say that is, it makes my day, honestly, when somebody says something like that. So thank you so much. I'm glad I could help. Well, we are all in this together. It's kind of a club you didn't really know you wanted to be in, but once you're in it, you might as well join the cause. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Friendly Pantry and the Inspired Kitchen membership. I thought we could start, though, by hearing a little bit about what inspired you to do all of that. You know, your journey and, and both personally and professionally, what brought you to this point? Well, honestly, it um, as I was my kids were getting older. Um, I started to become known as sort of the, the food allergy mom at school who, you know, I started getting questions. People were asking me things. Um, and it was because I had gone through all of those steps and it was about 13, no, I'd say 12 years ago now, um, that my first daughter was diagnosed with egg and dairy anaphylactic allergies. And I remember what you were saying about just being hungry for information and wanting to know what do I do? How do I manage this? Being afraid and fearful and thinking, what if I make a mistake? All of that was so hard. And back then, um, there wasn't honestly a lot of resources. Um, I think I came upon, I think Allergic Living at that time, the, the magazine was really, really new. And just I was just grabbing some of the stuff from there because it was like, oh my gosh, how do I deal with this? So I remember what that was like. And my daughter, my oldest daughter, luckily outgrew her milk and egg allergy about, oh, she was probably about four or five. But right around the same time, my youngest got diagnosed with peanut and tree nut allergy. So I went through everything all over again. (laughs) Right. And it really is all over again because a new food allergy, you you go back to the drawing board. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you have your new normal and then you have to kind of switch everything. So, So really, as I was going through that, what I learned and what I had kind of I was really big, I am really big on really good quality information. So 
anything that um, Food Allergy Research and Education or um, Food Allergy Canada, those kinds of websites, anything that they kind of were putting out, I was trying to get because I wanted to be scientifically um, evidence-based. So I was really important. I was always keeping up on that. And after a while, like I said, going through um, two kids with different allergies, and even now a gluten intolerance as well, which has been added in, in the last couple of years. Um, you know, I just started getting really good at what I was doing, and I started to realize that I could probably help more food allergy moms out there. And so I started my blog, and I started to kind of figure out, you know, how can I really help people? So that's really what inspired Friendly Pantry to begin. Oh, that's amazing. Well, and I am one of those people that you're helping. And you've translated your experiences into really understandable, action-oriented, and compelling blogs, which I very much appreciate. And everything from how to meal plan specifically for food allergy families. Um, you've got a number of blogs about traveling with food allergies and um, food allergy mom life. And all of this can be found on your friend, friendlypantry.com website. And what was really fun was when one of your blog posts went viral can you tell us about that what was that like for you oh that was amazing honestly because I had been so this happened in oh, I think it was February of this year and I had been blogging for a year and a half and you know you you kind of like it takes a long time to build a blog and and so when there was a post that really really resonated with moms out there it was super exciting and I know that um that blog was specifically um I it, I talk about it in the blog. It was inspired by another blog written by um, a mom who doesn't have food allergies. And I read that blog and I thought, oh my gosh, like this is so, I could make this into a food allergy mom blog because this is just, you know, I just know exactly all these feelings that food allergy moms go through. And I think it really came from the heart. And a lot of my blog posts that are really popular, they're definitely the ones that come from the heart. Absolutely. <laughs> so that one was one of them. Yeah. And this one was one that talked all about, you know, life through the lens of a food allergy mom. Um, and just the things that before I became one, um, you just take for granted. You take for granted how easy it is to just show up at a birthday party or how easy mm -hmm. it is to, to run out of the house without any food on you because you can pick something up along the way. And just mm -hmm. the, the constant label reading and everything you wrote in that was like, yes, yes, that's what I go through. And for someone who's not a food allergy mom, it, it's pretty enlightening to realize, mm -hmm. you know, kind of what the, the added burden, because it's hard enough to be a parent these days, let alone a food mm -hmm. allergy parent. Mm -hmm, exactly. And I think that one was awesome because it was shareable so that other friends and family could kind of feel about where you know feel understand where you're coming from because I know that was one and still is one of the biggest struggles of being a food allergy mom is sometimes family members sometimes friends they just they just don't understand and if you know you can kind of share that with them they'll see and kind of maybe a light will go on and say oh I get it now <laughs> yeah, I know it's so yeah. true well and it's easy for us to talk about food allergy moms and I, I will say I loved your post on Father's Day about food allergy dads oh yeah <laughs> you know they, they're sometimes the unsung hero in all of this too yeah and that's the thing is I think um I like I'm definitely so lucky to have a great partner in this life and I know that 
I don't know why, but there's so many food allergy mom blogs and things out there, but there's not a lot about the dads. So I often, every Father's Day especially, I like to kind of give a shout out to those dads because they do, they give us the support and the, um, they're along with us on this ride. So it's so important to me that not only just to recognize that, but to honor it as well because they are so important for us as, as food allergy moms and our support. So Yeah, absolutely. I know for my husband, he's right there with me in all the label reading and making sure that we've got everything that we need before we leave to go somewhere. Um, he often is the one sitting with my son while I'm trying to make the dinner for the rest of us, and he makes sure he's eating what he needs to have. And yeah, so it is. It's incredible um, to have everybody in the family kind of a, be a part of the journey, whether they have allergies or not. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Oh, that's so neat. Uh, so I was thinking back to when my son was newly diagnosed. Um, it was I've shared in, in the earlier um, stories that it started with his anaphylactic food allergies before we figured out that he had EOE. And mm-hmm. the immediate emotions that I had, you talked about them a little bit, which was, you know, I don't come from a medical background, so there was an immense amount of confusion for me. Um, I also don't fancy myself to be a good cook, and I never really baked, so there was a lot of overwhelm, and I had mm-hmm. pretty much zero confidence. Um, and and I went through that every time we found out about a new food. So not only did it happen once, but it really kind of has happened four or five times as I've grappled with every change. And and the biggest thing was I really didn't even know where to start. Um, can you offer some advice to to someone? I mean, it's everything from what do you do in your own home all the way through to what do you do at school and then in social situations? Oh, exactly. Well, it is it is a lot, but I think you definitely have to start small. And I think we talked about this uh, earlier uh, off off recording that you you know you clean out your your area and get grounded in your own kitchen and kind of make your space the safe space the place where you know that anything there is going to be clean going to be safe for your for your child so I think that's a really really great place to start and I totally agree with what you say there because you know you need to kind of clear things out so that you don't have overwhelm at least in your own home and then you can move on from there. And I think um, a big part of it is what I call sort of the three basics. And those three basics are meal planning, cooking with whole foods, and then staying motivated. And so that meal planning, I think a lot of people, they kind of, they, they feel like it's just finding what you're going to make for that week, writing it down and buying for it. But there's so much more to that that actually makes your life a whole lot easier, which is making your using your time intentionally to plan what you need to do so that you're not you can actually have a break sometimes or so that you can reuse those recipes. Because you know, when you're first starting, you're not going to have a lot of recipes that are specifically for that food allergy. So you need to sort of start writing them down. You need to start just with what you have. And if you write that down and record it, you're not going to lose those. And if that means that you're writing down the same recipes for one week and you're reusing that meal plan, you know, for the next two or three weeks, 
it's okay because at least you've got a starting point and you're buying yourself more time before you have to actually find more variety because that can come. But right when you're in that first new zone, you need to grab what you have so that you can use that and you need to make it efficient. So that's what the meal planning is all, is all about. Um, yeah. He, and I thought I meal planned until I got to know you in the services through Inspired Kitchen and your meal planning really has helped me elevate my game. Um, so you're right. There's, there's deciding what you're going to eat in advance. And then there's being really um, strategic about it. I guess that's the, the best word I can think of. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it really um, brings forward not only, not only what is your schedule. So if you're working a certain day or not a certain day, but also, you know, what, what's it going to be like? Are you going to come home exhausted? And if you are, don't sign up for a six course meal, throw one of those freezer friendly meals, right, right into either the, for me, we use the crock pot, the instant pot, the skillet. Um, so you really helped me think differently about the meals and the ease of making them and where I might be in my given day or my given week. So I'm really just so impressed with the, how multifaceted your meal planning is. And yet it's not complicated either. That's awesome. That's really great to hear you say that. Cause I sometimes I, I don't want to overwhelm. Like I want it to be easy, but I also want people to see that there are, like you said, strategic ways that you can actually make your life a whole lot easier just by doing this one Thing called meal planning and yeah there is lots of facets to that but they're not hard to implement on a daily basis and you've really helped with the the build on it so get yourself grounded in a few things and then every week choose something to build on it and so it you're right it does take time you know I'm the type of personality I go from zero to 60 and I don't always give myself grace when I'm not quite where <laughs> there yet um, mm -hmm. and so you you've helped me realize that incremental um, improvements along the way can really make for sustainable changes exactly and then as you go, as I mentioned, my second basic is cooking with whole foods. And that is something that, you know, I know when I was back, when I was first had food allergy kids, we spent a lot of time just buying convenience meals. We would buy those things in the grocery store. Okay, what's easy? Um, let's get some, you know, hot dogs. Let's get some um, pizza, like kind of things like that. But when you start to cook with the whole foods, you're actually taking away those ingredient labels because that's another really overwhelming thing for new, newly diagnosed is trying to go through the labels and trying to find foods that are actually safe for your child. And so I like to take that all away and just say, look, let's start finding those fresh ingredients. Let's look at what tastes good with cauliflower. How can we make that cauliflower interesting? How can we make it delicious with some herbs or some, you know, really great um, sides? Or how can we even change the texture of that cauliflower to make it more appealing? So there's so many things. And the funny thing is, Susie, is I haven't actually, this is what I'm working on right now in the course that's continuing on from the meal planning. Um, I'm deep in the mires of it right now, and it's going to be coming out really soon, so I'm really excited. But it's it's the part of my course, the second part of my course, where it's learning how to cook with those with those whole meal whole foods, so that we're not always overwhelmed, and that we're actually inspired because there is a time in meal planning. So in the beginning, it's great; it can you can be have this whole momentum and go forward. But sometimes you get unmotivated, and sometimes, like in summertime 
when I don't have a, a definite um, schedule, I like to be a little more inspired. I like to find something that I like to cook instead of just being in that regular rigorous schedule. So using this whole whole foods cooking method and finding out how to make foods inspiring and, and exciting is a really fun way to kind of keep things going. So you kind of bridge the gap between meal plans. So for me, it's summertime, and for others, it might be different times. But summertime, I really start to experiment more with flavors and what I want to actually creating my own recipes. And whereas, you know, in the fall and winter, sometimes it's like, no, I need to be on a schedule because I need to have those scheduled meal plans and have everything kind of flow so that I'm not because there are those busier nights and you don't have the time to be inspired. So that's kind of where that where the Inspired Kitchen membership is going and how the course is going, and that's going to be coming out pretty quick. But, um, yeah, so that's the next thing is cooking with those whole foods and becoming inspired in that way. Well, I am waiting with bated breath for that because I'll tell you, when I think about cooking with whole foods, I get very overwhelmed and I think about buying all this fresh product and then not getting through it all and having to throw some out by the end of the week or, you know, what do I do with this onion that, and how do I make sure that it, it comes through flavor wise? And so I don't know, that's kind of more of a random, um, item, but I just, I get overwhelmed at the idea of whole foods and then I get equally overwhelmed at the idea of reading labels. So I'm sort of not finding my groove totally. So I'm going to be your, a great test case for your next part. <laughs> yes. I would love to hear how you love it. And that's the thing. Um, I always want to know once it comes out, once you've taken it, like, please let me know how you feel about it and what's, what's helping, what's not. Cause that can all, I can always add to that. And that's the cool thing about the membership is that, um, I'm already thinking of sort of some, every month we have a bonus and I'm thinking about some of those bonuses and kind of workshops where I can actually augment what is in the base training. So that's, that's, I'm always loving to hear what you guys say and, and what you guys want more of and what you need to know more of. So I'm always open to that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And I love the community that you're building around it because we talk not only about foods and, and meal planning, et cetera, but you also give us a chance to talk about our kids and our hobbies and things that have nothing to do with food allergies, because at the end of the day, we want to feel connected on, on for different reasons too. Exactly. And I mean, it's, we need to focus on food so much that sometimes we just need to take a step back and focus on something other than that. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Well, we've talked a lot about your own kitchen and taking that back when you need to, to make it a safe place. And we've talked about meal planning and um, cooking from scratch. What about traveling or going to a restaurant? I say that with this air of dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it definitely can be done. It's, um, I am the queen of purposeful planning, honestly. Um, I think that it can all be done with proper planning. Um, but it does take planning, and it, you do have to be prepared to spend a lot of time getting ready for those sorts of things. But you can also, it, it depends. Like if you're wanting to travel, um, for me, it's, it's choosing a kind of like a complexity scale. How complex do I want to get with this? And I think down on that lower scale would be um, kind of going somewhere that's not too far from home that you know you're going to be able to find the same products that has a kitchen and that you can cook. And that's, you know, 
fairly low complexity because you're still going to be able to find a lot of the products and you're going to be able to um, do a lot of the things that you do at home. Whereas if you're doing a more uh, something on the higher complexity level, it would be sort of going to a different country where there's another language and you don't know exactly what you're going to find. So finding what works for you on that complexity scale is really important before you even start to, to think about travel. Um, and picking the right one, the right vacation for you. That's really, I think, what it comes down to at the beginning. And then moving on from there. Because I didn't, I mean, we did a, quite a complex, we've done a few complex um, trips in the last three years, I would say. And we didn't start out there. We started out very, very simple on a low complex scale and we just picked things that were easy and then we moved up and that can always happen too. So I feel like it can all be done just depending on your, your desire to plan and the time you have to put into it. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. And I have to remember baby steps, you know, I have, exactly. you know, get yeah, myself yeah. grounded. And, and then I do think, um, we already feel a lot more empowered and, um, capable than we did just a few short months ago when we really became clear about his diagnoses. Um, so, mm -hmm. I, and, and I see such supportive moms on the, on the group saying to th those of us with newer diagnoses, like, just keep going. It gets better. We promise, you know, so yeah. I can, I can see yeah. that. That's excellent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, do your girls join you in the kitchen? So that is something that I, <laughs> they, and, and I, I'm not sure about this, honestly. I've been really thinking about it a lot lately, that I really want my daughter, especially my food allergy daughter, she needs to learn to cook on her own. And she just is going through a stage right now where she's not interested. Yeah. And same with my older daughter. So she went through a stage about last year, probably about a year ago, where she wanted to be in the kitchen with me all the time. And so we were doing things together and, and cooking and, and things like that. But she kind of lost her interest and yeah. it's just probably a part of growing up. Yes, I can imagine. How old is she now? She's almost 11. Oh, yes. I could. I remember being 11. That's probably the last yeah. place I wanted to be was in the kitchen. So I get it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm sort of like, okay, like I really like how do I, I, I want it. And it's something that you just need to inspire in her again and hopefully get her. And maybe it's just stepping back for a little while, right? Yeah. Um, just to kind of let that go. But yeah, I, that's something I, I really, truly believe is super, super important. And I'll be definitely looking to continue to teach my, my kids to cook on their own, <laughs> so that, especially my food allergy daughter, so she can take care of herself when she needs to. Right. Well, the great thing is everything that you've done, you've captured in writing or in a, a course or system. So she can always rely on that when she gets older too. <laughs> Oh, exactly. I never yeah. even thought of that. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're, you're helping her, the future her as well as the present her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we talked about your program. Tell people how they can find it, you know, where to go to follow you, any of the information that that would be helpful. Definitely. So I only open the membership at certain times during the year because I try and focus on keeping those members um, that I've got really serving them and helping them through the process. Um, but I will be probably opening in fall again, which is sort of end of August, beginning of September. Um, and then in the meantime, though, I do have a free uh, allergy-friendly meal plan with breakfast and snack ideas that people can 
grab. It's at friendlypantry.com forward slash meal plan. And also they can follow me. I would really recommend on Instagram or Facebook. I'm at Friendly Pantry on both of those those things because I share a lot of um, day-to-day things and inspiration on those two platforms as well. And, of course, my blog, my website, which is www.friendlypantry.com. Oh, that's great. I know you've given so many practical tools for living every day, and it was that everyday um, kind of management of of the diagnoses that I was lacking in the beginning. Um, so all of those are great resources for people. I hope they'll they'll run right out and sign up and follow you on the different social sites and go to your website. Um, and so you talked what's next about your course, but what's ahead for you, either your business or your family, and, and what are you looking forward to? I honestly, I just want to help more food allergy moms. I just want to reach more of those moms who are struggling in that place that I was 12 years ago and just want to kind of help them and not even in the newly diagnosed this can the stuff that I do is helpful for really anybody but you know those newly diagnosed are the ones that are really really struggling and overwhelmed so hopefully I can reach more of them and help them as they go through their journey and yeah that's um you know I'm just looking forward to continuing to travel as well and um just moving forward going through this life we've got more school stuff my daughter's moving into middle school which is junior high here in Canada and it's it's kind of it's it's a new chapter as well (laughs) that's true yeah oh that's great well is there anything that we haven't had a chance to touch on today that you're hoping to share with people I I think that's I think that's all. Um, I'm just I'm really glad that you had me here, and I'm super excited for your podcast because I think it's something that's so helpful. I know there's a lot of people even in my um, free group, and I've had clients with EOE, so it's definitely something that people need help with. And I think I'm just glad that I could be here. So thank you for having me, Susie. Oh, thank you again for joining. And one of the goals that I've had for this podcast is to not only have people share their stories about EOE, but also to feel more empowered and inspired to live their best life, regardless of the diagnosis. And through the amazing tools and offerings that you have, you certainly are enabling me to do that. So with much gratitude, I say thank you as well. Thank you so much. Uh, Take care, Karina. Thank you, you too.